Informing America's farmers and ranchers. This is AOA, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Jesse Allen. And thank you for joining us here on AOA Today. Welcome into the program. Great to have you with us. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. Today's program is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel and Cenex Roadmaster XL. Everyday products powered locally. That's Cenex. Coming up today, we're going to talk weather with Teresa Wells from DTN. She'll join us in segment two. We're going to talk markets here in just a minute with Dara Newsom from Bar Chart. Also, coming up in segment three, we'll have a conversation with Cam Corals with the National Potato Council, and we'll wrap the show today. We'll take a look at a few news headlines here on AOA, so a lot to get to on today's program. First up, though, let's talk markets, and joining us here on the program to kick things off, Darren Newsom, Senior Market Analyst at Bar Chart. Darren, great to have you on the program with us again today. I hope you're doing well. Yeah, doing doing well here, Jesse. I appreciate you having me on again. A lot to talk about in the markets as we head into another week. Definitely a lot to talk about in the markets as we head into another week. And I want to start with just your general thoughts in this grain market here, uh, Derek. Very interesting stuff that, you know, late last week uh, we got Deese Corn over that mystical $5 mark. We got November beans over 13 But now as we start off a new week, we've busted back below those levels here so what exactly is going on in this grain market right now yeah what really interested me at the end of last week was you're right you know deese corn popped uh, above 499 then got but above five it ran right up to 510 corn likes round numbers i call it the round number reliance and it came right up to 509 and a half and it stopped and when by the time we got to the to friday's close we were right back in that sideways trading range that we've been in for quite some time so now as we look at the daily chart we blew out the we blew out the low end a number of weeks back we blew out the high end last week and we're still right where we were before makes sense i guess there's really no fundamental reason at this point for market to rally we're seeing basis firm you know in some places uh, more than others the general you know national average just you know a quarter a cent here and there a week um we've got we've got harvest coming in but a lot of these bushels are getting tucked away now we we have to see the other side we have to see demand really start picking up exports are doing pretty well so far early in the marketing year but let's see if we can keep it going so you know we just kind of have everything offset we have kind of an equilibrium going on right now Markets reflecting that with a lot of sideways trends. Yeah, a lot of sideways trends. Well, one thing I noticed on Friday's trade, Derek, and maybe mm-hmm. you can give us a, a little bit of insight to this, gold shot higher, uh, and really gold, mm-hmm. crude oil, stock market, continuing to show their effects, I think, on these ag markets, both grains and livestock as a whole. Yeah, you know, it was interesting watching uh, gold and uh, and crude oil last week, you know, the two safe haven markets when when uh, things heat up in the Middle East again. And as we were heading into the weekend, there was all this talk, there was this concern that Israel was going to launch an invasion, uh, you know, of, of Palestine and, and, you know, to to go after Hamas. It didn't happen. And so as we came out of the weekend, we saw both markets take, a, you know, set set back a little bit. Now, I don't we're not going to see big selling in gold and crude oil. Uh, so right now they're kind of off on their own island. They're keeping a close eye on the headlines on, on global tensions and so on. Did it carry over into the grains? You know, it's possible we could make that argument, corn being the third king of commodities along with gold and crude oil. But again, to me, corn continues to trade on its on its own. You know, we get these pops and to me, the biggest thing in the corn market as we head into another week is if we go back to last Friday's commitment to traders report and we look at the and I look at legacy futures only and we look funds were still holding a large net short futures position. So everything else being equal, everything else basically being neutral at this point, the one the one thing that's out there is funds could continue to cover those shorts. Could it be tied to crude oil? Could it be tied to gold? Absolutely, but it doesn't necessarily have to be, but it certainly could if funds want to follow the other markets. Yeah, very, very true. And I I think it's just something that bears watching. A lot of interesting notes uh, here in this grain trade. Uh, I want to talk cattle as well. We got a cattle on feed report on Friday afternoon, and I want to make sure we highlight that here. Uh, That placements number came in even above the wide range of pre-report expectations. 
uh, I would have to think that Catalan feed number fairly bearish from Friday. Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting. I know I know the majority of the industry, in fact, 99% of the industry, 0.9% of the industry wants to compare it back to last year, but that makes no sense. But even if we compare it back just to last month, which to me is a much more logical way of doing it, it was the, the placement number was still out of line. We could look at on feed and it fit with what we saw in the DSFEB future spread. We can look at the marketing and it fits with what we saw uh, in future spreads, you know, with, with, with what we saw in the October futures contract itself during September. But the outlier was the placements and, it, and the number did seem a bit odd. Um, the thing is, if we look at the weekly charts, both live cattle and feeder cattle, but predominantly the live cattle had turned down in a couple, a number of weeks ago. So what we're really seeing, you know, do we have pressure in the market Monday? Yes. Is it coming strictly from this? That'll be the theme. But in general, yeah, we, we, we're just really extending the trends that were already in place at this point. And, you know, we, we've still got some room to get down. You know, if we're looking at, say, the December futures contract, mm -hmm. it, it has support down around 177. So it had some room to move lower. We've got funds still along the market. Yeah, placement number was bigger. We'll see how the spreads react, you know, down the road. I was going to say, I like how you put that that number was odd. I, I saw a mm -hmm. lot of chatter on social media, a lot of folks uh, seemingly calling that number into question. So I, to your point, it'd be interesting to see how the spreads react here as we go through this week. And one has to wonder if uh, this could have an impact on this cattle market getting back up to recent highs or not. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not looking forward to get back to recent highs anytime soon. I think once, well, once we get through fall and, and into winter and, and all of a sudden, you know, we've got you know, the Southern Plains, you know, the feed yard area with the possibility of blizzards and all of these kinds of things, even across the plains, across the plains, uh, then we could see the possibility of a rally right now. I think it's got a little more room to the downside. Let's see how much, let's see how far it wants to push. I mean, we, the box beef still holding together relatively well. Cash market still holding together relatively well. Just got a little bit of play going on in the futures at this point. Darren, before we uh, let you go, got about a minute here. Any other notes, anything else uh, you're watching in the markets or anything you want to reiterate to folks as they're uh, keeping an eye on the markets this week? Yeah, you know, it's still a week away, but the main focus is on this next FOMC meeting coming out on October 31st, November 1st. The big debate is what's the Fed going to do with the Fed fund rate? Is it going to go up another uh, 25 basis points? Is it going to hold? And then putting the spotlight on the December meeting. I think that's where a lot of markets are going to be focusing their attention, including currencies, financials, and it's going to spill over into the grains. And it'll be an interesting thing to keep our eyes on. That is for sure. With that, Senior Market Analyst at Bar Chart, Darren Newsom. Darren, it's uh, always great to talk with you. And uh, I should ask, too, I'm just looking at the clock here. Uh, soup season, we've talked yeah. about that before. What's on tap for this week? Because I know it's getting colder in many parts of the country. <laughs> it's going to get colder. And I do believe we have broccoli cheddar on the uh, on the menu this week. So I got some chicken noodle on the menu for me. So that's going to be a good thing. Darren, always great to talk markets with you. Thanks for joining us here on Agriculture of America today. And we will talk to you again next week. All right. Thank you, Jesse. Fantastic. Darren Newsom, Senior Market Analyst at Bar Chart, joining us here with markets. Coming up next, we're going to take a look at weather, talk about some of that cold weather potential, maybe even snow. We're going to get the details with Teresa Wells from DTN. She joins us next here on AOA Agriculture of America, brought to you by Cenex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oil. People look at your farm, they just see corn. But to you, it's a lot more than that. It's a college fund, your retirement plan, and it deserves trait protection that can stand up to heavy pressure threats like corn woodworm. SmartStacks Pro with RNAi technology is trusted on over 1 million acres to protect the things that mean more. Trade up at SmartStacksPro.com. Always read and follow pesticide label directions, IRM, where applicable, grain marketing, and all other stewardship practices. Copyright 2023 Bayer Group. All rights reserved. Are you curious about biologicals for stronger crop health? You're not alone. At Terramax, they've seen more farmers just like you choosing to apply biologicals with increasing success. For more than 25 years, they've been harnessing the power of microbial inoculants to strengthen roots, improve soil health, and boost yields acre after acre. If you're ready to get a biological boost, turn to the experts at Terramax. Visit TerramaxAg.com to learn more about what microbial technology can do for your farm. 
In today's troubled world, our USA Armed Forces stand ready to protect you, your family, and our American way of life. When veterans return to civilian life, they deserve your recognition and support. You can help put vets to work by donating your car, truck, or van to Patriotic Hearts. Your donation will directly support programs to help vets find jobs or even start their own business. Donate today for fast, free pickup of your vehicle, running or not. Operators are standing by to answer questions about making a tax-deductible vehicle donation. Find out how you can make a difference in the life of a United States veteran. Call 800-209-6416 for 24-hour response. Call 800-209-6416. 800-209-6416. That's 800-209-6416. Through the years, you've really kept up with the times. You're on social media. Like, like, dislike, block. Maintained your health. 10,000 steps. I'm a beast. You even programmed your own smart home. In 10 minutes, remind me that I'm a genius. In 10 minutes, I'll remind you that you're a genius. If you can do all that, you can definitely save for retirement. Just go to aceyourretirement.org, a free online tool sponsored by AARP that can help you get on track with your retirement savings no matter your age. At aceyourretirement.org, you'll meet Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach, and in just three minutes, get personalized recommendations to help boost your retirement savings. They're easy to understand and work with your lifestyle. It's quick, easy, and free. Plus, it's brought to you by AARP, so you know they got your back. You are a genius. Take charge of your retirement. Go to aceyourretirement.org now. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed. AOA. Now back to Jesse Allen. And welcome back to AOA, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel, which comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines. You can find your nearest Cenex location very easily online. Just go to Cenex.com. Everyday products powered locally by Cenex. Well, as we take a look at what is going on here on the weather front for this week ahead, we've got some interesting things to talk about. Joining us now to discuss, Teresa Wells, DTN meteorologist, is with us here on AOA today. And Teresa, it's great to talk with you. I know uh, you've been on the show before, but this is our first time having a conversation. So looking forward to the discussion. Hope you're doing well. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Jesse. So let's first focus on the weather that we saw here the last couple of days, uh, just to kind of set us up for the big change that sounds like could be on the way for many folks. As I know, uh, here the last few days, we've had fairly mild temperatures and a mostly open window for some harvest activity. It sounds like uh, plenty of harvest activity got done here late last week and over the weekend, Teresa. Oh, yeah, for sure. There was a lot of places, I think, in the upper Midwest, Central Plains, they got they got some good progress made this weekend. Um, there were a couple light rain showers that tagged uh, portions of the northern and central plains and even the upper Midwest and Ohio Valley, but most places saw less than a half inch of rain, so maybe that stalled a few people there. Um, but overall, it wasn't a, a washout by any means, and temperatures were pretty mild across the central part of the country this weekend as well. So I think plenty of field work got done. Definitely. Well, it's a good thing that plenty of that field work got done because by the sound of it, things are going to change here potentially this week. And uh, walk me through what we're seeing lined up in the forecast here for much of the country because it sounds like a couple different uh, systems, a couple different areas of disturbances are, are going to work through. So what are we seeing, Teresa? Yeah, yep. So this week's going to look quite a bit different than what we saw last week. Um, we've got that upper air pattern that's changing a little bit. And we're going to have a trough that's building across the west, and then a ridge will start to build across the east. And right in between this trough and this ridge is going to be that area where these systems will develop. So it'll be right across the central and southern plains, and then uh, portions of the delta as well in the upper Midwest. And um, right now we're going to watch a low pressure system developing across the south central U.S. 
That could bring some areas of heavy rainfall across Texas, Oklahoma. Um, right now, today even, uh, there could be up to one to two inches of rain across western Texas that could develop here later today. And then um, we're watching some more moisture build north uh, through the rest of this week across the upper Midwest, even portions of the Great Lakes. And then unfortunately, we're going to see some of that um, first major snowfall hit portions of the northern Rockies and the northern plains here as we go through the middle of this week and into the end of this week. So we talk about that first major snowfall, and I know uh, some folks don't want to hear that. So when you talk to Northern Rockies, Northern Plains, I know this forecast, it might be a little tricky here over the next couple of days to set up, but what are we are we looking at here? Are we looking at uh, a wide area of the Northern Plains and Northern Rockies? I would think Montana, North Dakota, Wyoming. Is that kind of the, the region, or are we still trying to kind of set this up here, Teresa? You know, models are really starting to come into more agreement, um, especially they were looking a little um, off last week, but they've definitely come into a better agreement this week here. Um, we are seeing that potential for the greatest snowfall across Montana, portions of western North Dakota, and even northern Wyoming. Um, so right now, snowfall amounts, um, this could change over time here still. Um, but portions of even western North Dakota could see upwards of six inches of snow. Wow, six inches of snow towards the end of October. Is that typical and normal to see snowfall amounts like that, I would think, this early in, in the season, Teresa, I guess, across the Northern Plains? You know, it has a, a better chance of happening than it does, say, in, in parts of the uh, central Corn Belt. Is, is that normal to see snowfall amounts like that this time of year? Um, I would say that's. this is probably a pretty potent low-pressure system that's moving okay. through. So uh, this would definitely be a little bit above normal, but not going to rule out that they see snow this early in the season up there. Sure, sure. Well, what about the rest of the country? As we think about that snow and then we get later in this week, I know you mentioned some of the heavy rainfall in Texas and more. Uh, with these systems coming together, is it going to be a, a rain-snow event, maybe rain on the southern portion of this system that goes through the northern plains? I mean, what are we kind of looking here as we look out seven, 10, 14 days and, and get towards this uh, coming weekend and, and then Halloween next week. Yeah, so luckily as we go into like this weekend and next week, the pattern's actually going to change a little bit even more. So we're looking at some potentially drier conditions building into the central part of the U.S. as well as the western U.S., um, however, we're going to see those below normal temperatures. It's going to stay a little bit cool here as we go through um, early next week. However, out in the eastern U.S., they'll see a little bit more precip develop later this week and into early next week as that trough builds into their area. Well, we are talking with Teresa Wells, DTN meteorologist here today on AOA. Teresa, let's talk South America and, and get an update there. A lot of folks are continuing to closely watch what is happening uh, down in the Southern Hemisphere, Brazil, Argentina. Sounds like maybe we got some rain in Argentina over the weekend, which has been just extremely dry here uh, the last couple of growing seasons. So what was the latest? What did we see over the weekend and what are things looking like getting into this week in South America? Yeah, yep. So we had a low pressure system move into those northern and central areas of Argentina early this weekend. And they'll see those scattered rain showers kind of persist through the first half of this week. Um, but again, there'll be these scattered showers. So some people get the rainfall and some will miss it. Um, so overall, it's, it's definitely beneficial that they see some rain in areas, but still those dryness concerns for some that miss those significant showers. And then as we look into other areas in South America, uh, southern Brazil quite saw quite a few heavy rain showers last week. They're also going to see some more heavy rainfall this week. Um, right now, through the next seven days, southern Brazil could see areas 
receive two to four inches of rain. So this is definitely uh, not good for their planting situation down there. Um, and they're also getting a little bit concerned about their wheat yields as well as they've had these pretty wet conditions develop across that area. Mm-hmm. And then we look into central Brazil. Um, They've actually been on the dry side there. And so they're still working on some of that planting. And there is some concern that they might have to replant in areas as some of that seed's been sitting in some dry soil for quite a while. Well, and then obviously the concern there, to your point, if they have to do some replants or if they have big extensive delays, then that could delay the safrita corn crop and just put Brazil behind the eight ball, so to speak. So I know that's where some of the concern is coming in. But I also, I think, Teresa, don't we have to put this into perspective a little bit that in South America right now, to compare it to the U.S., it's like early April for them compared to like our planting season, isn't it? It's still early for them to kind of catch up down there, especially in Brazil. Yes, that is correct. They still have plenty of time um, to to work on their, their field work down there. So we're not too concerned as of yet, but here as we go over the next uh, 30 days, hopefully they can make a bit more progress and kind of turn some of these rain showers off in uh, central or southern areas of Brazil. All right. Well, Teresa, before we let you go, anything final you're keeping an eye on or anything you want to reiterate to folks in terms of that weather forecast here for the week ahead? Anything else you would mention today? Um, yeah, just looking at that that heavy rainfall uh, potential across the central U.S. However, we are still watching those areas of severe drought across the south central U.S. too. Mm-hmm. So luckily, some of those areas you'll see some of that moisture. Um, however, we're still keeping an eye on those uh, low river levels across yeah. the southern delta as well. And unfortunately, they might miss out on quite a bit of that rainfall this week. Yeah, that's going to be something for us to keep our eyes on for sure. I know uh, the river level at Memphis did come up just a little bit here in the last couple of days, but it's still got a long ways to go. We've been talking with DTN meteorologist Teresa Wells here today on Agriculture of America. Teresa, it was great to talk with you. Thanks so much for joining us on the program today. Have a fantastic rest of your week. Yes, thanks, Jesse. And again, uh, Teresa Wells there with DTN joining us here today on AOA. All right, coming up next here on the program, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. We're going to have a conversation with Cam Corals with the National Potato Council, get an update on how things are going in Washington, D.C., and a few other issues that the Potato Council is watching. That's coming up next here on AOA, Agriculture of America. So how's harvest? Higher yield potential starts with the season-long systemic disease protection of Zyway brand fungicides from FMC. Zyway brand fungicides protect corn crops from key foliar diseases and support physiological benefits that help develop healthier, higher yielding corn for a difference you'll appreciate at harvest. Visit your FMC retailer for an at-plant advantage. Always read and follow all label directions. This is Ernie Johnson Jr. Sports is about overcoming obstacles, and college coaches work hard to help young men overcome Duchenne muscular dystrophy. It's called Coach to Cure MD, and you can help. Text the word CURE to 501-501 to donate $25 on your next mobile phone bill, or go online to coachtocuremd.org. Text the word CURE to 501-501. Help coaches cure MD. Brought to you by the American Football Coaches Association. You're listening to AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Richard Risvet with this market update. Grains and oil seeds are mixed this morning. Beans are down hard. Wheat is up slightly. Minneapolis is leading the way there. Corn is caught somewhere in the middle. The soy products are mixed as well. Meal down about $3 a ton with oil up a few points. Livestock is mixed as well with fats down hard. Hogs are up while feeders are caught in the middle. Now, the strong dollar has been one of the factors creating headwinds for the commodity sector. Strong dollar is making it more difficult for U.S. commodities to compete on the global market. As treasury yields rise, the dollar usually rises as well, but that relationship isn't as strong as it once was. 
The European Central Bank has tried to signal that it is close to pivoting policy, but will be able to do so. Inflation is even more sticky in Europe than it is here in the U.S., and a lot of that has to do with wage inflation. And over the weekend, rains fell across two-thirds of Argentina's parched crop belt, although the forecast dries out again over the next 10 days or so. Nonetheless, though, that will help with early corn planting. Thunderstorm activity is expected to increase over center-west Brazil this week, although the storms are expected to be scattered in nature with less coverage and intensity than expected last week. Brazil's soybean production is pegged at 5.95 billion bushels. That's up 4.8% year-over-year, while the area is forecast to increase by 2.5% to 112 million acres. In the U.S., meanwhile, 62% of the soybean crop was harvested as of last week. That's up from 43% seven days earlier. And the corn harvest was sitting at about 45% complete. That's up from 34% the previous week. The VIX is trading around 22 this morning after hitting seven-month highs of 23 overnight. Yields on 10-year treasuries hit a fresh 16-year high above 5.02% earlier this morning, although they are currently trading near 4.97%, while yields on two-year treasuries are trading near 5.12%. You're listening to AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Richard Ristvet. Turning to biologicals for improved plant nutrition and nitrogen fixing may feel novel to a lot of farmers, but it's a proven method for decades. Nobody knows this better than Terramax, a leading innovator of biological inoculants for more than 25 years. Their strong roots in microbial technology means they know what it takes to deliver stronger roots for crops acre after acre. When you decide to boost your yield with biologicals, turn to Terramax. Then visit TerramaxAg.com to learn more. Join us the first Wednesday of every month on AOA for the latest episode of The Monthly Grind with our friends at the National Corn Growers Association. We'll discuss the latest topics surrounding the corn industry, the relationships between corn and other parts of the agricultural supply chain, the newest initiatives and partnerships from NCGA's Market Development Action Team, and much more. That's the first Wednesday of every month for The Monthly Grind on AOA. It's a show you don't want to miss. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, AOA. Now back to Jesse Allen. And thanks for sticking with us here on AOA Today, Agriculture of America, as we continue the program brought to you by Cenex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oil, oil that runs smart. Want to turn our attention to what's going on in Washington, D.C. and catch up on a few other issues impacting the National Potato Council Joining us now, Cam Corals with the National Potato Council. Cam, great to talk with you again. Hope you're doing well. Jesse, always great to talk to you. Thanks for having me. Well, first off, let's uh, dive in and talk about what's going on with all the chaos in D.C. I know uh, we continue to not have a Speaker of the House of Representatives, and it's really just putting, uh, putting a lot of things on Capitol Hill in paralysis, so to speak. What's the latest you're hearing there on Capitol Hill? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, often we say things are unprecedented, Jesse, which means uh, folks haven't been here long enough to, to, to see them occur. In this case, what's going on in the House legitimately is unprecedented. It hadn't happened before ever. Um, I, my understanding is the Republicans are going to have a candidate forum that starts tonight, um, sort through some of the the folks post Jim Jordan uh, and obviously post Kevin McCarthy who want to try to run the House, uh, see what they can offer and see if they can get to the magic number of votes to to get the House back to business and get us with a with the speaker. Well, getting to that magic number of votes, uh it just seems like everything we watch that's going on, it just seems like there's no end in sight, Cam. I, I, you know, I hate to speculate here, but uh, to your point, with this being unprecedented, I just I don't see who, who is necessarily going to be the viable candidate here. I, I hope that changes, but man, oh man, looking at it from the outside in, it, it just doesn't look like there's an end in sight right now. No, it's uh, it's pretty chaotic. I was talking to a friend of mine who runs one of the other associations in town, and I asked him how he was doing, and he said, well, I'm more organized than the House right now, and that's kind of what we're going with um, for the foreseeable future. I, I, honestly, Jesse, I, I think that if 
if this goes much longer and they aren't able to settle on someone, the notion of some type of caretaker type of speaker who can just simply get bills in line to move across the floor, get them considered at least on the floor, that probably becomes more likely. It's that's almost like, you know, punting on first down, but at, at least it's some forward momentum. Some forward momentum would be important because obviously uh, we got appropriations, we got a, a farm bill, we got another uh, potential of a government shutdown coming up in November. There's there's a lot of things that that really need to get done here in a in a fairly short order for some of these things, Cam. Yeah, that's right. And it, you know, you mentioned it. I, I think you're you're exactly right, Jesse. The bookend of this is we have a looming government shutdown that is uh, only three weeks away, and I, I just don't believe that they can continue with this uh, without having a speaker. If if that expiration happens and the government indeed shut da- shuts down, um, it, it's it, it's going to be just it, it's going to raise the temperature on this even higher than it already is. And the the chaos is just going to get that much worse. And of course, you've got geopolitical issues out there. Mm-hmm. You mentioned selfishly for us, the farm bill. Uh, we, we've got to figure out what we're going to do with the farm bill. It's been expired nearly a month now. Um, that, that's that's a huge challenge, obviously, for, for all of the folks that we care about. We're talking with Cam Coral, CEO of the National Potato Council here on AOA today. Cam, let's shift gears away from D.C. Let's talk about some potato-related issues. Uh, I know you recently traveled to uh, Tokyo, Japan, looking at uh, fresh access for the country of Japan. Get us up to speed on your trip and some of the things you talked about there. Yeah, it was a a good opportunity to sit down with the U.S. negotiators. Uh, U.S. and Japan uh, have this meeting every year, generally in the fall time, talk about all of the agricultural issues between our country and one of our most important trading partners. Um, what we're pressing for, we have at, we asked over 20 years ago for access for fresh, what we call table stock potatoes, uh, to be able to be shipped into Japan. We already send processed product to them, uh, also chipping potatoes, but it's it's the baked potatoes that you would see on your dinner table um, and in, in retail stores. Th- those are the, the things that we really want to have access to push into, into Japan. It, it, we believe once it's all built out, about $150 million market in Japan. However, um, and you've heard this before, Jesse, very similar to our challenges in Mexico, they have Japan has a, a very politically connected domestic industry. Mm-hmm. Um, they they currently import no fresh potatoes, um, and so we would be the first one coming in. That that domestic industry obviously isn't thrilled with having to compete against a high quality producer like the United States, and so this thing has drug out a very long time. Uh, unfortunately. It, we we had a good discussion with our negotiators, but unfortunately, no real progress was made. Um, and I, I, I think we've just got to break that political logjam. We've got to get some deadlines in place. Uh, Japan has got to deliver uh, on on its requirements to open up their market um, to U.S. fresh potatoes. It's just been too long. I was going to say, I think uh, we're going almost on what now? Almost 20-some years, uh, 2006, uh, I believe, right? Since we've had access for chipping potatoes. You're, you're, you are right. Um, and and our, our request on table stock goes back even uh, earlier than that. So mm-hmm. that, that is actually right. This is, this is a multi-decade uh, uh, issue that's been lingering. But to your point, if we can get that political kind of logjam uh, opened up, it, you know, it would take uh, what's already a very top market and and make it even bigger for U.S. Uh, potatoes. And obviously, that's the goal of the Potato Council, right, Cam? Is we're trying to find all of these not only new avenues but expand our current partnerships around the world as well. Yeah, that's right. Um, and if we have, if we get this access, Jesse, you know, you're talking about this isn't like incremental moves of the needle. You're talking about roughly a 10% increase in U.S. potato exports globally if we can get Japan open. It is a very big deal for our industry, and it's a big deal for Japanese consumers. We think there's there's a lot of benefits to go around here. 
Well, Cam, I want to talk as well. I know coming up just a few months away, Potato Expo 2024. It's going to be held in January in Austin, Texas. And, you know, issues like uh, what's going on with the U.S.-Japan potato issue that we're talking about here and uh, anything going on in Capitol Hill and other other topics as well. I know those will be big highlights during the Potato Expo, won't they? They they are. Uh, we're really excited. As you know, every year the National Potato Council puts on the Potato Expo. This year we're going to be in Austin. Uh, it is the uh, the week of January 8th, uh, and we are really thrilled. We, the entire North American industry is really under one roof at that time at Potato Expo, Jesse. Uh, roughly 2,000 people will be in attendance. We, we cover the entirety of the supply chain. Um, so you have all of the input providers there. You've got buyers, uh, all of the various suppliers. And certainly we'll talk about the public policy issues that can impact the competitiveness of each and every grower um, in the United States and, and really around the world. So um, we're, we're very excited to have everybody back in Austin. We were there about four years ago. People had a fantastic time, and I think we've we've amped things up even even higher than that great event. And I was going to say, I'm just looking at the uh, website as well, and I know registration is live right now, uh, potato-export.com. And, you know, you think about getting uh, everyone in the industry under one roof cam, to your points, uh, with a trade show and more and a lot of education sessions. It's it's always great to uh, to get folks under the same roof in, in one building and, and have discussions that could propel an industry forward and uh, the potato industry here, no exception. That's right. Uh, you know, we and you reported on this a few months ago. When we look at the the activities that start on family potato farms in the United States and go all the way up the supply chain, you're talking about a hundred billion dollars a year to the U.S. economy and over 700,000 jobs from this great industry. So, uh, you know, Expo is the perfect place, the the perfect way to kick off a new year. Uh, It gets everybody kind of locked in and set for what's to come in 2024. And we're just very thrilled to host them all down in Austin. And I I wonder, too, how many different ways uh, to cook potatoes uh, could we see on the menu there for some of the dinners at the Expo, Cam? I'm sure quite a few, right? It, it is a mind-boggling. We have a number of professional chefs who are going to come in. Uh, Jesse, the, the creativity employed by these folks in regard to America's favorite vegetable, the potato, it, it, it is truly mind-boggling. Um, it's uh, a lot of things that, that I, I have never thought of, and it's really impressive when you see them all displaying their talents. I was going to say, now I'm hungry for some potatoes. I'm going to have to go figure out uh, what kind to make here today. Cam, uh, final thoughts here before we run out of time and wrap it up in this segment uh great stuff as always anything else you'd want to add or reiterate for folks here uh, today anything going on with the potato council i just I really appreciate you having me jesse I, I think you know we're really looking forward to a strong 2024 hope to kick everything off right uh, this you know the challenges that we see on capitol hill they're going to pass uh, we're going to get back to business i'm i'm really positive that um we're we're going to get some adults in the room and sort things out and we're we're going to move forward into the new year i, I, I it, the, 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 this too shall pass jesse i echo your sentiments there as well the ceo of the national potato council cam corals cam always great to have a conversation with you my friend have an awesome week and we'll talk to you again soon Yes, sir. Thanks, Jesse. Cam Corals there with the National Potato Council joining us here on AOA Today. Brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Well, coming up next, we're going to take a look at news headlines. Uh, We're going to recap that Catalan feed report a little bit more and uh, take a look at a few other notes before we wrap it up here today on AOA Agriculture of America. Back with more right after this. Vision loss is not something that you feel until it happens. Most people lose their vision from diseases like macular degeneration and glaucoma, not at birth. With macular degeneration, you lose your central vision. You have a blind spot right in the center of your face, so I can't actually see your face. So even that little circle in which I could see 
became a big blur. I was 65 when I first was diagnosed with glaucoma. There were no symptoms. I had no headaches. Three million Americans have glaucoma, and half don't even know it. 11 million people in the United States have macular degeneration. You lose mobility, independence, changes your entire life. So many eye disorders can be treated if caught early. My husband tells me that I have beautiful brown eyes, and I don't want to lose that. Make a plan today to get your eyes checked. Visit brightfocus.org to learn more. Nothing offers an opportunity to bond and give thanks quite like breaking bread together. This is especially true as we welcome our troops back home and keep those who are still stationed overseas in our hearts. Hi, I'm Gary Sinise. Since 2011, the Gary Sinise Foundation's Serving Heroes program has shown gratitude to our nation's defenders and their families by serving up nearly 500,000 hearty classic American meals at travel hubs and military locations. And now, together with our friends at Bob Evans Farms and their Our Farm Salutes program, we will help to provide even more meals nationwide, offering our defenders a taste of home and a feeling of togetherness around the table. Help us show America's gratitude through food and fellowship. Look for the Bob Evans Our Farm Salutes purple packaging at your grocery store and visit ourfarmsalutes.com to learn more. While we can never do enough to support the men and women who serve, together we can make a difference bite by bite. Challenge. It's not something you shy from. It's a chance to up your game. Every day brings a new challenge. But with the Enhanced Channel Seed brand on your side, you can rise to it. With our top-performing seed, innovative digital tools, and expanded agronomic support, you can turn tomorrow's challenges into your next advantage. Your Enhanced Channel Seed brand. Let's rise to the challenge. Learn more at channel.com slash rise. Read and follow pesticide label directions, IRM, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. Join us the first Wednesday of every month on AOA for the latest episode of The Monthly Grind with our friends at the National Corn Growers Association. We'll discuss the latest topics surrounding the corn industry, the relationships between corn and other parts of the agricultural supply chain, the newest initiatives and partnerships from NCGA's Market Development Action Team, and much more. That's the first Wednesday of every month for The Monthly Grind on AOA. It's a show you don't want to miss. Turning to biologicals for improved plant nutrition and nitrogen fixing may feel novel to a lot of farmers, but it's a proven method for decades. Nobody knows this better than Terramax, a leading innovator of biological inoculants for more than 25 years. Their strong roots in microbial technology means they know what it takes to deliver stronger roots for crops acre after acre. When you decide to boost your yield with biologicals, turn to Terramax. Then visit TerramaxAg.com to learn more. The archaeological record suggests that wheat was first cultivated in the regions of the Fertile Crescent, also known as the Cradle of Civilization, around 9600 BC. The Roman goddess Ceres, who was deemed protector of the grain, gave grains their common name today, cereal. Wheat is the primary grain used in U.S. grain products. Approximately three-quarters of all U.S. grain products are made from wheat flour. The first bagel rolled into the world in 1683 when a baker from Vienna, Austria, was thankful to the king of Poland for saving Austria from Turkish invaders, the baker reshaped the local bread so that it resembled the king's stirrup. The new bread was called bugel, derived from the German word for stirrup. Ancient traditional tortillas were made from ground corn by Mexican natives as long as 2,000 years ago. However, flour tortillas only started to become popular in the 19th century. More types of foods are made with wheat than with any other cereal grain. These farm facts brought to you by the American Egg Network. Young farmers don't listen to the radio, right? Wrong. In a recent survey, 74% of young producers said they get their most important agricultural information from their trusted farm radio station. Surprised? Don't be. If you think about it, it makes perfect sense. Radio is the perfect companion because it goes with you everywhere. Whether you're in the shop, on the combine, or in the truck, farm radio is right there with you. This message brought to you by the National Association of Farm Broadcasting. information America's farmers and ranchers need, AOA. Now, back to Jesse Allen. And welcome back to AOA, brought to you by Cenex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oil. 
oil that runs smart. Find your nearest Cenex online very easily at Cenex.com. Well, we touched on the cattle on feed report a little bit with Darren Newsom in segment one. Cattle and calves on feed for the slaughter market in the U.S. totaled 11.6 million head on October 1st of this year. That inventory 1% above October 1st of 2022. That's according to the latest cattle on feed report here from Friday afternoon. It's the second highest October 1 inventory since the series began in 1996. The inventory included 6.95 million steers and steer calves up slightly for the previous year. This group accounted for 60% of the total inventory. Heifers and heifer calves accounted for 4.64 million head. That was up 1% from 2022. Now, here was the uh, big surprise in the report. Placements in feedlots during September totaled 2.21 million head, 6% above last year. Net placements were 2.15 million head. Uh, during September, placements of cattle and calves weighing less than 600 pounds was 460,000 head. Uh, 600 to 699 pounds was 355,000 head. 700 to 799 pounds was 485,000 head. 800 to 899 pounds was 521,000 head. 900 to 999 pounds came in at 290,000 head. And 1,000 pounds and greater was 95,000 head. Now, so that was a, a bit surprising and a bit bearish here uh, to the markets overall. Marketings of fed cattle during September totaled 1.66 million head, 11% below 2022. And other disappearance totaled 57,000 head during September. That was 8% above 2022. So uh, very interesting numbers. That placements number was the one that a lot of folks were going to be watching very closely as uh, there was a wide, wide range of estimates, and it came in above the range of estimates, as well as the odd feed number came in above the pre-report expectations with that marketing's number coming uh, in pretty much in the middle of the pre-report estimates. So no doubt uh, going to be calling this cattle on feed report bearish to the cattle market. We'll see how it impacts things here as we move through the week. One has to wonder if uh, we've seen the highs for a little while considering this report, but I have been proven wrong time and time again with the way this cattle market has been acting here uh, this entire year. So uh, I will hold my breath and just watch and see the market direction. I think that's a better uh, plan to take here in terms of this cattle market. We're going to be watching it closely here this week as we digest these cattle on feed numbers. Well, in a bit of news that broke late last week, it was announced on Friday that Navigator CO2 has canceled their plans to build the Heartland Greenway Pipeline Project, carbon pipeline project that would span five Midwest states. The company said in a press release that given the unpredictable nature of the regulatory and government processes involved, particularly in South Dakota and Iowa, the company has decided to cancel its pipeline project. Matt Vinning, CEO of Navigator CO2, said in the press release on Friday, quote, as good stewards of capital and responsible managers of people, we have made the difficult decision to cancel the Heartland Greenway project. We are disappointed that we will not be able to provide services to our customers and thank them for their continued support, quote, unquote. Uh, the company had planned to build over 1,300 miles of carbon pipeline from Illinois through Iowa and Minnesota into parts of South Dakota and Nebraska. The company had dealt with pushback from landowners and regulatory hurdles in many states, particularly South Dakota and Iowa. The South Dakota Public Utilities Commission had unanimously rejected the company's proposal at the end of September. Various groups issuing their own releases on the news that Navigator CO2 has canceled their carbon pipeline. Growth Energy CEO Emily Score issued the following statement saying, quote, while CCUS projects are critical for many of our member biorefineries to compete in a low carbon bioeconomy, they're also vital to our nation's overall quest to reach net zero by 2050 and keep rural economies moving. We will continue to work with our partners to ensure jurisdictions across the country see the value of low-carbon biofuels and appreciate our industry's important contributions in both growing markets across rural communities and reducing emissions, end quote. Also got um, released from the American Carbon Alliance, Tom Bias, CEO of the ACA, issued the following statement saying, quote, the decision by Navigator CO2 to cease their carbon capture pipeline project is incredibly disappointing. We know that carbon capture is the future for farmers, rural communities in our country. 
just as bioethanol doubled farm income. In the last two decades, carbon capture projects are the next step in bringing even more value to farmers nationwide. These projects will create higher corn and land values and bolster our nation's energy security, end quote. Now, the American Carbon Alliance, he goes on to say, quote, we'll continue to stand arm in arm with commodity groups, industry leaders and American farmers to help transform the ag and energy economy through carbon capture technology. This is an opportunity of a lifetime and we cannot afford to let it slip away, end quote. So again, on Friday, Navigator CO2 announcing their plans to cancel the Heartland Greenway carbon pipeline project. Now, there is one other carbon pipeline project that is being built by Summit Carbon Solutions, and that project has also faced its hurdles and challenges in parts of the Midwest, including uh, Public Utilities Commission's denials of permits in North Dakota and South Dakota. And also, we continue to watch the water level on the Mississippi River. We've been talking about it here. We did talk about it uh, last week with Mike Steenhook from the Soy Transportation Coalition. And now the water levels come back up a little bit here since this record low was hit. But on October 11th, the all-time low hit minus 11.52 feet in Memphis, Tennessee, surpassed the previous low of minus 10.81 feet set in October of 2022. The weekly USDA Grain Transportation Report says records were also broken on the Ohio River at Cairo, Illinois. That gauge read 4.5 feet, the lowest river level since 1901. Now, drafted tow size restrictions are in place along the entire Mississippi River system. Despite some recent rains, more rain will be needed to raise water levels enough to improve the navigation conditions. Water levels are projected to rise by late October and early November, but Navigation conditions aren't expected to improve before late December or early January. Despite the navigation issues, the recent St. Louis spot freight rate fell for the third week in a row to $23.06 per ton, 68% below the same week last year. So, again, challenges remain on the Mississippi River. It's something we're going to have to watch very, very closely. All right, we're out of time here on AOA today, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel and Cenex Roadmaster XL, everyday products powered locally by Cenex. Coming up on tomorrow's program, we'll talk with South Dakota Congressman Dusty Johnson and Mac Marshall from the United Soybean Board, also Ryan Legrand with the U.S. Grains Council. That's all coming up on tomorrow's AOA. Thanks for listening. I'm Jesse Allen. Have a great rest of your day. When people look at your farm, they just see corn. But to you, it's a lot more than that. It's a college fund, your retirement plan, and it deserves trait protection that can stand up to heavy pressure threats like corn woodworm. SmartStacks Pro with RNAi technology is trusted on over 1 million acres to protect the things that mean more. Trade up at SmartStacksPro.com. Always read and follow pesticide label directions, IRM, where applicable, grain marketing, and all other stewardship practices. Copyright 2023 Bayer Group. All rights reserved. Join us every Tuesday for Around the Table, brought to you by CHS, as we discuss how cooperatives support farmers and ranchers and build strong communities. Each week, we'll chat with voices from throughout the cooperative system. From global market access to local expertise, we'll explore how co-op ownership means you own a world of opportunities. Tune in on Tuesdays or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff. Even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover keytar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council.